0: All right. Well, Welcome, everybody, to our third edition. It's hard to believe, our third edition of FlexTime. And what is FlexTime, you might ask? It is an acronym, which is basically a focused learning experience. Um, This was created by our sales, our technical teams, um, and our marketing teams. And really, it was created by our dealer community. Um, Flex Time is a series of no longer than one hour webinars that we're going to host on mostly every Wednesday from 12 to 1 Eastern. Uh, it's going to cover a variety of, of topics, uh, training information, you know, we have DOE changes coming up, basically anything relevant to the, um, the community, the HVAC community out there. So with that being said, if you guys have any Feedback, um, please, you know, continue to, to carry that to the TMs um, that you work with uh, for Taurus, uh, your branch support, myself, uh, my counterpart, Scott Adler, um, you know, anybody from marketing. So we want to hear what you guys would like to, to have focused on these trainings. Um, and that's why that's why they're here. So they are made to be flexible. You know, some are going to resonate more than others from the dealer community. Um, and that's fine. You know, it is flexible, right? So something that like a GE connect, which is very much of, of, of interest to folks as we have 43 strong just in this training right now. So, um, which is fantastic, you know, and then there might be some other topics that, um, that, that aren't, you know, as, as strong to you and that's okay. All of these are going to reside in our, in our, um, you know, on video so we can reference them later. So if anybody wants to to kind of re-watch that, we'll have that readily available. Just talk to your territory manager. Um, and then, like I said, you know, this is really made for the dealer community and even our internal teams, you know, as a refresher and a continuous improvement opportunity. So today's call, like I alluded to before, is with our folks and our friends from GE Connect Advantage. So they're going to be going over, Um, They're gonna be going over the GE Connect line. Um, It's our folks from that we work with at Emerson Swan, our friends over at Emerson Swan. Um, I'm gonna do a brief kind of introduction of who who those folks are. So joining us today is gonna be Ralph Gates doing um, more of the technical support. He'll answer any technical questions that you might have um, throughout this brief presentation. Dylan Carter does sales support. He is a road warrior, as I'd like to say. Um, he, he's everywhere, you know, he's covering the entire territory lock and step with Taurus. Um, you know, when we bring on any line Taurus, we look at the level of service that they're going to give us because we know if they're giving us a great level of service, they're going to pass that on to our dealer. And that's what interests us. You know, we want nothing but the best, uh, you know, for, for the dealers that we support and work with. And they've been fantastic to work with throughout. Um, thanks to you know the leadership at Eden um, on the sales support side, and Frank Melberg who's handling VP distribution. Um, they'll do things like even on your first install, they'll they'll go out, you know, they'll make sure everything's good and, um, and you know answer any questions that you have. And any time that Taurus has any questions or you know looking for some support, whether it's a roadshow that we're doing or training such as this, the answer is nothing less than yes. They always say yes. So they're just a fantastic partner and we look to continue to grow the business with them. So I've said a lot, you know, uh, you know, longest introduction ever, but (laughs) I wanted to uh, kick it off and explain kind of what these flex times are all about. So at this point, I'm going to turn it over to the folks at Emerson Swan I believe Dylan Carter is going to be running the, the deck here and uh, and start this presentation.
1: Thank you,
2: Chad. Uh, so like Chad said, we're going to be over the, going over the connect today Throughout this. This is a PowerPoint and is what we're going to base on. Stop me. If you have a question, if you have a job that you want to reference or talk about send, send Chad a, a message in the chat, and we can go over it as much as, We wanna point out features. We wanna help you in any way possible. So if there's something in here that we didn't hit on enough, let us know and we can definitely go back or or just talk about it. Um, Open forum, there's a good chance if you have a question, someone else probably does too. So with that, uh, again, the GE Connect. Uh, The GE Connect is um, inverter style heat pump in a conventional setting. So it's 2345. Um, again, inverter, the chassis is a side discharge, um, which is important. So we can mount that on a stand, get it up above a snow line. Um, and that's important for primary heat, but, um, again, two, three, four, five, it's dip switch setting, um, just like others in that market. Uh, what we are excited about and the opportunity that the Connect Series has is now we not only have the ability to, uh, offset heating costs, we can displace fossil fuel heating. Um, here's just a fuel cost calculator we put together. Um, and this this is for Portland, Maine. Um, I'm in Maine, as Chad said. Um, so these, these are the costs of, of uh, fuel in Maine, just, just by average. So on here at 17 degrees, you can see that uh, it is less expensive to run the GE Connect than it is any other fuel source, right? Um, and how we got this data is, uh, we took a COP, a COP at 17 degrees is 2.43. So every, every uh, we are 243% efficient at, um, at 17 degrees. Fuel oil, uh, 49 per uh, 100 uh, million BTUs. Um, gas, 355, propane, 403. And obviously electricity is lower. So this is, this is where our displacement is, right? At five degrees, we are still more cost-effective to run than oil and propane. And again, this is just at my current uh, values in Maine. Um, And we can do this chart for anyone in any territory, but this is really important. Um, The topic we get into a lot is changeover, right? Uh, Heat pumps are are, uh, not new, but what's new is the concept that we can now replace instead of displace, right? And here's just math that shows we can do that. So as we go through this, keep this in mind, but this, this is an important couple slides um, that we're getting asked more and more, which is great because it's starting to resonate with the contractors, right? Um, that, that changeover is starting to become uh, more prevalent. So how we get these efficiencies at the low temperature. So outside of Uh, the highlighted area, it looks like a a standard heat pump, right? You have your indoor unit, your outdoor unit, um, compressor, four-way valve switches, nothing new, right? You see um, our first level EXV and then our second level EXV. What those are doing are allowing us to keep uh, vapor on top of our accumulator. So that's important for our vapor injection process, right? So in cooling mode at 86 degrees, In heating mode at 41 degrees, that electromagnetic valve is going to start to open. What that does is allows us to introduce vapor vapor injection to our compressor. So the the blue dotted lines show that show that travel, but the the, the important part to know on this slide is that we are always stacking that vapor at any temperature in our accumulator. So it's always ready, right? The, the temperature, the 86 to the 41, just operate the electromagnetic valve to, to allow it to go. But we're always stacking that stacking that uh, vapor top that accumulator. What that does for us is it reduces compressor discharge temperature with mid-vapor, Result in an increase in refrigerant volume and corresponding capacities. So, the way I like to talk about this is a compressor has infinite ability, right? It, it, it'll never shut off until what, what a, a safety takes it off or blows up. A compressor doesn't do anything but run, it, it knows nothing but run. Safeties take it off. So, in their safeties on all pieces of equipment, right? What we are able to do is introduce vapor midstream into this process and allow us to keep our temperature and pressure down so we're inside those safeties with allowing um, more volume. So the compressor speed has to be about 50 Hertz. Um, and then that mid-vapor injection valve will start to open that electromagnetic valve. Um, the result increases the refrigerant mass flow provided better capacity and operating efficiencies. So again, we're, we're just introducing vapor in mid-cycle to, to increase volume while keeping our pressure and temperature down. This is nothing new to the HVAC industry in a whole. It's new to the residential climate, right? Um, chillers have been doing this for years. Uh, but again, in this residential chassis, this is this is newer to the market, and it, it works extremely well. Uh, this, the COP speak for themselves on, on, our, on our equipment. So just some features on the Connect. Again, we have two, three, four, and five ton. Two chassis, four skews. Our indoor units, we have uh, forced use Two ton, three ton, four ton, and five ton. Um, we are really known for our heating with the GE Connect, right, negative 22, that's our claim to fame. But at five degrees uh, rated temperature and cooling, we have uh, contractors all over that use this as a cooling application. Um, like uh, yeah, cooling application only because the inverted compressor, right? That, that's very low without adding anything extra to the unit. We're, we're already at rated at five degrees uh, with a shear rating of up to 20 and an EER of 12.5. So, so it, it does a great job in cooling as well. That's the application you have. But in heating, obviously negative 22 and we're at a 10.5 HSPF. So this is gonna qualify for rebates in, in a lot of areas um, just based off that, that number in our COPs, right? Uh, indoor units across the board, we got a 15 amp breaker um, and very important. We have a static of up to 1.0. So as much as we like to use this as a, as a new installation, we use it a lot in swap out markets. So with a 1.0 static, we're able to overcome a lot of existing infrastructure um, in, in your ductwork, right? So that 1.0 static is is, is adjustable. It's up to 1.0, uh, but we can overcome a lot a lot of an existing system. Uh, with a uh, uh, 47 and 51 respectively, uh, decimal rating. So that this this unit it throws a lot of air and it's very quiet, um, which is which is important indoor setting.
0: Hey Dylan, uh,
2: heat, not uh, to
0: interrupt, I gotta I gotta interrupt. I got a couple. Uh, we got an engaged group though. I like it. I like so, it. Uh, we have a we have a few questions here, um, and, and I'll let you be the judge. of when we put them into the equation, you might be coming to some of them like controls and things of that sort. Um, so Ralph, I know you're on, you're just a FYI, we're getting some feedback, so I muted you temporarily, so if this is a technical question, you'll want to unmute yourself, but I'll get to the questions if that's appropriate. So first question is from one of our territory managers, and it's um, he's asking, um, you know, had a lot of success with it, but he would like to go over the integrated uh, controls and respect to GE and what it can connect to and how it can connect. So, again, that might be something if you want to address now, we can, or if you have a segment for that, we can do later.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take that in a little bit, yet. Okay.
0: And then I have some kind of more to this, I believe, the slide. So we, one of our uh, technical support folks are asking, are these low temps at 100% capacity? I guess the minus 22, does it say what the range is from a capacity range?
2: Yeah, uh, that's my next slide. So on, I'll answer that one right now. So at a, at a, a two-ton um, G-Connect at negative 22 at 70 degree indoor or over 75% capacity, at negative 15 or at 90 plus.
0: Perfect. All right. And then the last question in here um, is please provide the output heating, which you, again, you might be on the slide, please provide the output heating capacity at 47, 17 and five degrees. Um, and that just might be some feedback,
2: or I don't know if you have that. Yep. So right here, it, it shows that, um, there is. this is on all our submittals. So, uh, Anyone who doesn't have our submittals, I will get to Chad a PDF to Chad, and he can send it out to anyone that needs it on this call after. And we rate all of our all of our units across the board, as you see here.
0: And then, last but not least, and it's probably in the submittals, Dylan. So
2: um, that's
0: okay. I just want to make sure we're asking all we're answering all the questions. What controls the vapor injection?
2: Uh, I heard fifty HC. What else? So that's a good question. So uh, vapor injection is going to be a few things. First, the compressor speed has to be at 50 hertz Uh in heating mode, we have to be at 41 degrees outdoor ambient temp. In cooling it's 86. And as that compressor speed uh modulates up, uh, we're going to that valve is going to open respectively. I mean that's an algorithm, but its compressor speed it is is what's moving that needle. It's engaged by outdoor temperature.
0: All right. I like it. A lot of questions. Guys, just to just to make it um, be in flow for Dylan and company, because um, a lot of this, as we're finding out, is on the next slide. What I'm going to do, keep the questions coming. I'm going to address every single question, I promise. I'm going to do it at the end, though. I'll do it at the end when we do Q&A. We'll hit the chat, all the questions in the chat um, at that point, and make sure they're all addressed. Um, but we'll let Dylan and team go through just so we're not interrupting flow, if that's appropriate. So...
2: Thank you, Chad. Yeah, and good questions. Keep them coming. This is, this is good. So again, on the submittal, um, outdoor sound rating at 57 degrees. Uh, this is a heftier unit, right? So not only the compressor, um, but we, we double stack our coil. So it is side discharge, but the weights on there um, are 217 and 240. Uh, so it is, it is a heftier unit, but it's coil size. We need we need to have coil size in order to get these lower temperatures, you just know that. Um, but they do, both sides fit on a uh, HD stand, like a, a wider uh, quick sling or, or um, whatever brand you're using. As long as it's a wider stand, these do fit on that. So it, it, again, it is important um, with these low to get them up off the ground. And it, on here, it shows you uh, dimensions. Again, and uh, like Chad, we'll get Chad, um, the submit uh, PDF of the submittal. So if you don't have one, we'll get them to you. So, so hey, Dylan,
3: you just, okay, just, just I just want to make a comment on that last slide there, um, because and I'm glad somebody asked the question because I think this is really important. Um, you know, GE is very transparent with these outputs. Um, you know, they're they're easy to find. They're on the website. We've got them in the PDFs, which we're going to send out to everybody. Um, but it, it's critically important that we know these and we have this information. Um, because we're going to be doing a couple of different things. You know, we might be using this in conjunction with some type of a backup. Right. So to go back to and we don't have to go back to it right now, but to the slide that Dylan started with and showing the price of, of different fuel types. Um, you know, we can use this information to decide you know, what piece of equipment that we need. And then based on the price of fuel, if we're going to do a backup, what does that backup point look like? Right. Um, with a lot of manufacturers of this type of equipment, um, that might only be rated down to five degrees or zero or in that that ballpark, their switchover point might be upwards of 30 degrees uh, and possibly higher than that. Um, with what we're doing down to negative 22, we can bring that switchover point, if we need one at all, much lower. And I think that's important to understand. Um, and it's easy to define when we're talking to a, a customer, um, because as long as we know the price of the different fuels, we know the outputs and the COPs, we, we can give a clear answer on that. The other piece of it. Um, is that in some of the states like Massachusetts, there's some pretty significant rebates um, for fully electric heat pump systems. And you know this system can be used in that capacity. We know the outputs. We know them down to negative 22. Not that we get there in Massachusetts a whole lot, um, but we know what's there. So if we're doing a sole source system, we can feel confident that we're going to have the BTUs uh, to do what needs to be done. Um, and we also have the ability, which Dylan will talk about, to do electric backup. Um, either as a, as a supplement um, or uh, to be used during the defrost cycle, which we'll get into. But I think this, this chart right here is so important in really understanding that um, and those two things that we just described there. So I just wanted to point that out. Thank you, Frank. Thanks, guys.
2: So getting back into the key features here. So uh, we are AHR rated, um, match system. Um, air handler ships in the upflow or horizontal left? We'll get a picture of that air handler in a minute, but it's just a conversion from left to right with the drain pan. You can go horizontal right. It ships ready to go, upflow horizontal left. Right now, we do not have a downflow system. Um, 24K through 60, so two ton through five ton, uh, dip switch settable, two units. ECM motor up to uh, 1.0 static. Capacity select function. Those are the dip switches. Uh, small footprint inside side discharge. Again, that I can't stress enough how important it is if you're using this for primary heat get it up off the ground and traditionally we've had to use an eight inch heat pump pad and that still holds the water if we can put this on a stand and get it up you're going to have a lot more success uh through your defrost cycle because water's going to pour off of this um it's it's critically important to get that up, up above the snow line um and with our chassis we have the ability to do that which is not like anything in the market uh dc Compressor, 410A, um, up to 20 sear, uh, in 10 year registered warranty. Um, register in this product, you get a 10 year warranty. Uh, if not, it's five. Um, and goldfin coil. One thing I, I didn't touch on and we're gonna dive into it here is a 24, 24 volt control. So this, is, this can run with anyone's control as long as it's 24 volt signal. Heat pump thermostat, it is not a communicating system um, that allows us to have a lot of success in that swap out, swap out market. If there is existing systems and all we have to do as long as we can put a, put a thermostat on that is heat bump or it may already have one. Um, we can run our unit. Our, our condenser is the brains, right? It, it sends out refrigerant and gets refrigerant back. And based on those pressures and temperatures, it modulates our compressor. So it doesn't care what it's connected to on the inside. Um, and that's really important and a big part of our story with this 21-volt control. Um, if a customer already has the nest that they spent the money on, if they have the eco-bees, if they've done the honeywells, we can adapt to that. There's not, no proprietary control. Um, so much so that we don't even have a control uh, that we sell with this. We want you to use whatever you're comfortable with. Um, and that, that's a big part of our story. Very important. So sequence operations here in the cooling mode. Um, nothing new here. You energize Y, and then G zone, on, right? Um, you're going to start your 24 volts from your R and C uh, to your thermostat, and that's going to give your signal. That's going to co- that 24 volts going to come from your the way. In the heat mode, our Y is energized. uh, OB, which is our version valve, Um, our G turns on for our fan. Uh, But in the in here, you have a a terminal you may not have seen before uh, with the green dotted line. That's the D terminal. That is our defrost. So in because we're low ambient heat, when in the defrost mode. Um, when we get a defrost call, we're gonna give a signal to that air handler to bring on a secondary source of heat. So with, with our air handler, we're gonna put in, we, we always suggest you put in a electric strip heat, uh, electric coil, excuse me. Um, this is gonna bring on the electric coil in in the defrost. So our defrost lasts no longer than six minutes. Um, but in six minutes at, at zero degrees, you can we can lose a lot of um. Uh, energy in that six minutes. So, we always want to keep uh, keep energy up. So, it's going to come on in that six minutes' time. Uh, but that's what that terminal is for. It's just a signal to let the air handler know we're in defrost. It energizes our W1 or our auxiliary and brings on that electric heat. Hey, Dylan. Yep.
4: This is Ralph. So, I just want to add a couple of things. So, this 24 volt uh, control system, it's so simple. We all know 24 volts, we all cut our teeth on 24 volts. So the other thing that it allows us to do is to bring in a, uh, an ERV. So we could incorporate the, uh, an ERV into this system, right? Pipe it into the return and what was sometimes known as a simplified application or installation. And uh, because of the 24 volts, we can then turn the blower on on the indoor unit on a pure ventilation call. So we can incorporate other things into the system very easily we can incorporate a hydronic coil as our second stage, perhaps, and just go through your, uh, your zone or, or uh, circulator relays to accomplish that, tie it in with the boiler. So it's really versatile. Yeah, it's
2: a good point. Thank you, Ralph. <clears throat> so our room connection, um, our outdoor unit has flare connections. What's really important, and I want everyone to know, is we ship a three-quarter inch whip. It's a corrugated whip. That whip is long enough to get you out the back, the side, or the front um, of, of that unit. And we know three-quarter inch is tough to bend, bend around, but it gives you the ability to, to stub out in any direction. And then you can either press um, or braze on it, whatever you're doing. We don't ship a, a filter dryer, so you're going to need a buy flow filter dryer uh, when you order this unit. Just, just remember that. Um, we also, we send you a 3-8-inch whip as well. Uh, that's it, the flare connection on it. Use it if you want to. It's not as critical. Uh, 3-8 is more spaghetti style, but that 3-quarter, once you use it, you'll, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. It, it is, it's so nice to be able to get out the, uh, any way uh, through that unit. Without having to bend bend copper, this is what sets us sets our unit apart. This is as much as we talk about Dylan. offsetting fuel costs and, and um, new installations. This is a swap out king. Dylan, what's that?
5: Okay, um, can I make a comment, Dylan? Absolutely. All right, you may want to point out that those access fittings on the service valves are a not quarter inch, and they need adapters, and they should be 90-degree adapters.
2: Okay, good point on, on the service. Yes, so it is a 410 connection um, on our service ports, and above it is the control board, so you will need that 90-degree adapter. It's a good point, John. Thank you. 516, not quarter inch. 5-16, yes. Um, in a perfect world, we're going to use 3-8, 3-quarter on our, our line set size. But if existing infrastructure, right, if there is uh, already a system in there and it's 5-8 or 7-8, we can use that on our 2-3 tons. So we have we have the ability for our suction side to be 5-8, 7-8 on the 2-3 uh, and 7-8 instant 8 on the 4-5. Our three is a hard number. It has our liquid line has to be three eighths, uh, but we have the ability without losing capacity or line set length to adapt to existing line sets five eighths or seven eighths, seven eighths incident. If it is is twenty two, just put a little uh, uh, flush out the lines, and we can use that too. It's it's not a big deal as long as we give a, give them a good flush. We we have no issues with that. Uh, but important important to know we can use those, those are the line sizes, um, max line set length on the two, three is 164 and on the four, five is uh, 98. As, uh, as a uh, friend spoke to, we have the ability to bring an electric key for that, um, put it off cycle. Right. And we can set it a couple ways ways, change changeover or just supplementary. Um, but, the two, three can use uh, five or five KW, eight KW, and 10 KW. The uh, Four, five can 10, 15, and 20. Uh, and below are the amps for each. But one thing I do wanna point out on this slide is the, the breaker, we have the circuit breaker that ships. So now that's going to be put into the air handler. So we will have a shut off in the air handler. And this Molex plug now plugs into our air handler. So we have one connection One electrical connection that runs both our electric heat and our um, our indoor unit air handler. So, as you can see on our air handler, the the Romex, the the molex connector right there. We so we unplug the existing and plug in um, the one that shifts the electric heat. The circuit breaker mounts in that metal cutout, and that control board swings out. On the next slide, we'll we'll go through step by step how to put that in. But on that air handle, I want you to look at the, the drain pin as well. We talked about it's left hand, ship, left hand, and upflow. All we do is, is four screws to take that drain pin off the left side and swing it to the right. And now we have a horizontal right application. Um, those are a good example of those whips. Um, that corrugated whip in the three eight, three as well. Um, and as John said, th- those service valves are very close to those terminals. So you will want that 90 degree angle, um, five sixteenths to quarter adapter uh, to get onto those. If you do want to use a straighter core removal tool, undo the two screws and you can pull them out and we can get a straighter core removal tool on, the, on those fittings.
4: Hey Dylan, I just want to comment on that outdoor unit and um, just look at the, the, the control boards that are on there. So the one that's staring us in the face in the front there, that's our, that's our PCB, that's our primary board. And you really can't see it. But in the upper right-hand corner, you can see a little black box. That's actually our set of four dip switches. That's where you'll uh, set dip switches uh, depending upon what you're trying to accomplish. And, and Dylan will go over that a little bit later. Um, we use the same PCB for all uh, or for both uh, outdoor unit sizes. So the 2-3 and the 4-5 use the same PCB. Uh, the difference is a uh, you see a blue... Uh, Plug-in jumper there that's on the board it, it tells the board what what size unit it's in, but other than that, it's it's the same as you're used to seeing on basically a a, a standard uh, a ductless type unit. In back of that, you have you have uh, access to the uh, to the IPM. You really can't see it; it's on the other side there. There's a filter board there, and there's a, a capacitor board there. So. When you look at it, it's really no different than what we're used to looking at on uh, on a ductless type of product. So very accessible, easy to get at, easy to work on.
2: Thank you, Ralph. So with that auxiliary heat kit, we're gonna pop that panel off that you see. in, uh, Excuse me. Step one, you're gonna pull the pull the cover off, and that control slides out. Uh, step two, we. Undo this knockout. So it's just a blank off plate. And then we, it's uh, four screws. You slide in that electric heat. There's two prongs in the back of that unit that the electric heat slides into and attaches in the back. Uh, four screws back in. You attach that circuit breaker and then attach your plug. And it's that simple. It, it, it's a five minute electric key kit that, that now you have uh, it's control of your air handler and your electric heat with one common breaker. So as Ralph was talking about the dip switches on that little board, so this, this is what you're going to see is, is four dip switches when you when you look in at the top right of that board. Our first dip switch is always our size. So these units ship in the bigger size, right? So the two, three is going to ship three times, four, five is going to ship five times. To make that change, we just take that first dip switch to off. Uh, and, and we've made the switch, it's that easy. Um, just to note, anytime we're touching dip switches, we always want that power off. Our second dip switch is our defrost. If we are using this as primary heat, I would suggest doing a strong defrost. All that does is allows uh, our, our compressors speed up about 15 Hertz in that defrost cycle. So the defrost cycle just becomes quicker, right? That's the only thing you're doing for a strong defrost. And that is taking two from the on position to the off position. And then our operating mode, standard operating mode, we're going to start at 25% capacity and come up to hundred percent. So that's all you're going to do that. The compressor is going to come up 25% speed and go up to hundred. Strong mode starts at 50 and goes to 100. We don't use this very often where we might see it is if uh, a garage door opens or we lose a lot of energy quickly and we want that recovery time to be faster. It's not going to start at that 25%. It's going to, it's going to ramp up, right? And uh, if you remember, 50, 50% is where our um, our vapor injection locks in, right? So we're going to skip that that bottom 25%. We're going to get up to 50%. Our vapor injection is going to go and we're going to give a lot more energy quicker uh, for that recovery time. Energy saving mode uh, is 25% to 80%. Um, where we use this a lot is half tons, right? We have two, three, four, and five. So one and a half, two and a half, three and a half, four and a half, um, are not technically covered. We can dial in our outdoor unit to that half ton coil by doing energy save mode. Um, yeah, 25 to 80% is going to be almost exact on that, um, on that half ton size. You will not have to remember this. We Something else we're going to send Chad is our, um, uh, reference guide, and, and you will have this, and if you want printed out, we have printed out versions, but just know about it. So our indoor unit, our handler has brace fittings. Those are sweat fittings, so it will fit in, um, and then you can press on the backside. It is full of helium, so when, it, when you do um, make your first cut, there's pressure behind those fittings. We have the ability to get up to 1.0 static pressure. We're gonna ship at less than that. We're gonna ship at 0.3 static, right? So standard out of the box, you are gonna be at 0.3 static, which a lot of times is enough to cover what you got um, for the various sizes, and five ton. Um, just know we have the ability to change and that is a board on the indoor unit. When you open up the unit, take off that front cover, um, and there's a little electrical panel that we, we saw earlier, right behind that is these, these eight dip switches, heat and cool. We're only ever going to adjust the heat dip switches. As you can see here, um, levels one through eight, you make the adjustment based on CFM. So you find the CFM you need and you make the adjustment um, on the dip switches on the board. Again, only the heat side are we, are we touching. We don't, we don't want to change any dip switches on the cool side. We are pre-charged for 25 feet, 9.81 on the 2.3 and 14.31 on the 4.5, um, 0.58 ounces per foot after that. The, the 2.3 was 164 feet, the 4.5 is uh, 98 feet, max uh, line set runs. Um, different, we are not going to take a true superior subcool with these units. Inverter compressor, you're going to be chasing your tail. So we're going to do uh, degree differential across our coil, right? In the in the cooling mode, we're going to look for 20, 20 to 25 degree dif- difference. In the heating mode, we're doing 25 to 30 across that coil. And that's how we're dialing our chargers in the, um, and maybe our CFM, depending on uh, what we have for dock orb. So, these are the air codes, and they're listed on the back of the unit, uh, the back cover of the unit on every unit. So, one that I'm going to talk about the most is this H4 code. This is the code that we see most often, and it's due to small zones and not having an adequate bypass. So, with an inverter compressor, it's not on, on, all on or on, all off, right? So, our oil returns are biggest issue and that's something we are always trying to protect compressors oil return when we're coming on at 25 we're satisfying early we we have to have a minimum run time to get our oil back um, so this unit has a six minute minimum runtime. so a small zone that that is satisfying in a couple minutes this is where we see that h4 code we have to have a bypass that allows allows us to shed some energy or or shed uh, allow our compressor to ramp up a little bit more That six minutes is not something we can change. Um, So if our indoor unit can't shed that energy, it's gonna send signals back to our outdoor unit that something's not right. So an H4 is gonna give you two soft lockouts and then one hard lockout. The ways we get around that, um, we need a post purge. Uh, Most zone controls come with a 60 second to 90 second post purge. If we can take it to three minutes, that's fantastic. Uh, The more post purge, the better. Um, bypass is the biggest one. We, we need a bypass on his own system. If we have a bypass, we can't take it out of our supply and dump it right in our return. We're not mixing any air in that case. We're just taking hot hot air and dumping it right back into the return and, and doing the cycle over it. And that causes these H4 codes because the unit just cannot get rid of that energy. Um, and w- w- we'll touch base on that after. I'm sure people have questions on this, um, but that is the biggest error code we get is that H4. Um, and it can be averted with with installation. So, our wiring, um, nothing new here. This is this is our uh, our outdoor unit to our G Connect indoor unit. Um, the only thing you're going to see on here that may be different is that G terminal from outdoor to indoor. You don't need it. It's a serviceability tool, so we can bump the, the fan on the indoor unit with that G-terminal on the outdoor. It just saves someone from running inside. You, we get calls a lot that they didn't run a proper of wire out to the outdoor so they, they don't have that G. It's not a big deal, it's service only. It does not uh, inhibit the function of the unit. Third party indoor application. So as, uh, as Ralph spoke on earlier, we have the ability to do a hydro Air handler, um, and any other function that a twenty-four volt can can service, um, we get case coils. We put a case coil on a furnace, uh, obviously a backup heat with a, a fossil fuel. Um, we can do either either one of those, or, or we see a lot of hydro coil. We see a lot of, of, of boilers being installed with radiant and the hydro coil as, as a secondary source. Um, as long as we have a heat pump TXV and the coil is rated for 410, we, we, we have no problem with that. We can, we can use third party anytime, as long as we, we meet those criteria, the uh, heat pump TXV and, and 410 rated. Again, if it was R22 when you switch the coil, just make sure we flush those lines. Um, but other than that, we have no requirements. Uh, knowing that we have the ability to, to do these, these other alternatives for heat, as Frank said, remember that changeover. That's going to be very important when it comes to this. And we showed you at the start, we can dial that in with just basic numbers, but that's going to come up more and more. Um, and after we, when we start talking about integrated controls at the end, um, that integrated control is going to be uh, important when it comes to that changeover. Uh, with that changeover, um, you're gonna to have to include a sensor, whatever the thermostat requires, or, or your zone control, um, and then just uh, just taking your D terminal that to W one on our on a third party indoor to let it know, let the system know it's going into defrost mode. It's the only difference here. So again, I I, I bring this up again because it's important. It's a true cold climate, and we have. The ability to to save the end user money at lower temperatures um, running the heat pump over fossil fuels and that's all i have for the presentation um, what i don't have in here is those integrated controls um, and but i do want to talk about those so what, chad what was that exact question
0: Wow, we had a very engaged group. I got to tell you, the chat line some some have been addressed, um, a lot haven't. So we'll we'll tackle one at a time. But yeah, you're right, uh, Dylan. The first one was a question on integrated controls. I'm going to go in the wayback machine here, and it just says, "Hey, can you go over the integrated controls in respect to GE, um, what it can connect to, and how to connect? Because I know, <clears throat> and with with some other applications and some other products, there can be some." Some challenges. Um, I know we've we have uh, different third party that we utilize, like RST, ADU, and and you know Flare Puck, some others, stuff like that. Um, so he's just wondering about you know the integrated controls with GE and anything we should look out for.
2: Yeah, um, again, as long as it's twenty four volts. The, the unit doesn't doesn't care. As long as it's a heat pump thermostat and 24 volts, it can give a signal to, to run either heat or cool. Um, we don't have much of an issue with, that I know of with any. Ralph maybe can speak on that better. But, um, again, all we're looking for is that 24-volt signal. Uh, so integrated controls is, is uh, if we have a use a honey wall, for example. As long as we have that um, outdoor reset set, set to whatever we want to change over at, we, we can bring on that secondary source heat.
4: Yeah, we've used uh, Ecobee, we've uh, used uh, basically all of them. So again, long as it's 24 volt, he pumps that communicating and uh we good you know good to go from there.
0: Perfect, perfect. Um, some of these probably were addressed that's right during the presentation, but I'll just recap them here. Vapor injection, we went over. Um here's to add
4: something on the vapor injection if yeah. I could chat. Okay, please. So the, the vapor injection. So yeah, it starts, it starts to um, to look to become active at about 50% compressor speed or 50 Hertz, basically about the same thing. The other thing it's looking at though is outdoor air temperature, right? So what, what the unit's doing is it's looking within itself and it sees that the inverter is starting to speed up. And at the same time, let's say we're in the heat pump mode and the temperature outside is starting to decrease. So it's anticipating that the load is increasing, right? My pressure my compressor is running faster, my outdoor air temperature is coming down, I need to deliver more BTUs into the space. That's what it basically looks at. And it's difficult to explain because there's a very complex algorithm inside the PCB, which I don't even understand, uh, nor have I ever seen the algorithm, but that's the gist of it. It's looking for the inverter going faster and the temperature coming down, or consequently, in the, in, the, in the cooling cycle, the temperature outside going up. So it's anticipating that load, and that's when the uh, that's when um, the um, the injection uh, kicks in, if you will.
0: Okay, thanks for clarifying that. Um, skipping gears, yep. I have a question about AHRI. Um, the question is, when will you have AHRI numbers with a coil match up? Specifically with rebates, I know that does come up from time to time, and I think you guys are working on that. But any updates on? In that? Yeah, so
4: so that's something GE is working on right now. Um, I don't have any updates on it, but I know it they're very actively working on it because it is an important piece into the entire uh, uh, application side of the of the Connect. From, and you're right. It's from from the rebate standpoint. You're absolutely right.
0: Right. Specifically in mass where it's pretty heavily driven. Absolutely. Question here, 10 year warranty if registered all parts and compressor. Correct. All right. And then um, why is the outdoor unit only allowing full ton capacity increments? I do see strong, cool and economy in advanced settings.
2: Say that again, Chad?
0: You're just saying, why is the outdoor unit only allowing full-ton capacity increments? I do. I did see strong, cool, and economy and advanced settings, but they didn't see that um, outdoor unit allowing full-ton capacity and in increments. I guess it was one of the earlier slides regarding outdoor unit.
1: Hey, Dylan. It's Rob. Yes. Hey. 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 Um, we typically deal in a lot of half-ton and small increments. And I was a little disappointed with the true inverter capacity that we couldn't select partial, um, you know, two and a half ton. But looking at the settings in the service manual with the strong and the economy, is that kind of the way to level those adjustments?
2: Yes, yes. Using um, using that economy mode, the energy save mode, um, that's how I would match that half ton size. Um, it's only going to allow it to ramp up to uh, 5% over a half ton size at
0: 80%. Perfect, thanks Rob for clarifying that as well. Does that answer the question, Rob? Any, any other questions on that subject?
1: Nope, that was it. That was the only thing I would say, I was a little disappointed, but in reading further into it, it looked like you had some tuning adjustment there. So yeah, it's good. Thank you.
0: Perfect, thank you. And then we have one about rebates. And it's just asking about will, will this qualify for rebates without integrated uh, controls
2: in what I think, location? You know? I think
0: it depends on locations, yeah, right? Exactly. I'll, I'll address that for the group too. I mean, that that's probably less on GE and more on, you know, the residing States. Um, you know, I know with mass, that's a big component of it. So, you know, you'd want to make sure that does, but again, we talked about that earlier that you haven't had really any issues with controls
2: and matchups and things of that sort. So um, uh, if, if they're running a, a 20 a traditional heating system, now uh, that's 24 volts and we can, we can make it work. You might have to add a, uh, a common at maker or a C wire, whatever you call it. Different brands call it different things. Um, but yeah, that's, it's all we need.
6: Uh, I can talk to rebates there for a second. And Vermont, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island, uh, GE's on the NEAP list, so it will qualify for rebates there without an integrated control. It would be New Hampshire, which is the land of the free, uh, and they have no real rebate structure to speak of, so I don't even know (laughs) what to speak of there. And unfortunately, right now, where it's a single zone heat pump, uh, it would not make rebate in Maine currently.
0: Okay. Thanks, Tim. All right, what else we have? We have a lot of questions in here. All right. Mm-hmm. How does the system meet demand on the T stat when you have a one degree delta on the set point? Will it correct one degree and does the compressor act in stages or variable compressing to inverter driven compressors? I think you talked a little bit about this already, but can you elaborate on that
2: point? Yeah. Please? So uh, I'm gonna suggest, uh, suggest we put a bigger differential offset than one in there, um, just for the case of, of, we talked about shedding energy. So if we do have that smaller zone, one degree is gonna take no time for, for this unit to um, satisfy that space. Uh, but we do ramp up in Hertz, right? So we're gonna speed, we're gonna start at 25% and we're gonna try and satisfy the space at the lowest compressor speed. Um, and that's an algorithm based on time and um, what that unit is getting back for pressures and temperatures, um, but they will try and satisfy it
6: using that inverter at the lowest possible speed. And just to add to that, Dylan and I have talked about this a bunch, but there's a minimum uh, five minute runtime on that fan, so you're gonna you're gonna run into major issues if you're trying to set, have a set point uh, differential of one degree on your thermostat because unit's gonna come on satisfy and it's going to run for five minutes regardless so you're really uh just going to end up using significantly more energy for no apparent reason if uh if you have that kind of differential on your thermostat
3: perfect
6: hey tim are you
5: talk uh, tim are you talking about the five minute fan run time after the thermostat is satisfied
6: yeah that's what i was talking about okay
5: because there's some confusion on that because we we're on a job site recently And originally they were saying that it was a five ton minimum runtime. Now we have a board on order because they're saying it's supposed to be a 90 second runtime after the thermostat satisfied. You know, there's a customer complaint. So it's one thing if the system runs a minimum of five minutes but if the fan runs a, a max, a minimum of five minutes after it's satisfied, that creates a problem for customers. Yeah, so a lot of times
2: the the zone control is going to already have that pre-programmed 60 seconds or 90 seconds.
5: Yeah, I'm not talking about a fan control. I'm talking about a one-to-one system after the thermostat satisfies on call for heat. How long does the fan run? We have a board on order because we were told the job site was a problem because the fan was running five minutes after the thermostat satisfied. And we were told it was supposed to only be 90 seconds
2: that was how long of, did it
4: take for the thermostat to satisfy how long was that run cycle
5: oh the run cycle was you know 15 minutes something like that uh-huh. the house was cold um we've done it a number of different ways we made the unit run heat the house up um you know for 10 15 i was on the job site for two hours and every time regardless anytime the fan is energized whether it's a call for heat or a not a call for heat anytime the fan is energized it runs for a full five minutes and that was a, with a Connect Indoor unit, not a third party. That was a Connect Indoor unit, you know, probably about a 25-foot line set. Um, you know, um, Ed was involved with me on it. I don't know if he's on the call or not. Uh,
4: no, he isn't. He's uh, he's traveling right now. But let me, let me
5: talk to Ed about it. We can get back to you on it. Okay, because we do have a board on audit. I provided all the documentation. um, Okay. Originally, they were saying five minutes, but then they came back and said, no, it's supposed to be 90. And then the other thing, I don't share who's going to get to it, but I have a question on that. Um, On a furnace coil outdoor unit, we do not want to power the the D to W1 because we're going to have the furnace below the coil. Oh, you're talking about in the in the in you're
4: talking about the defrost mode.
5: Well, I'm talking, this is this W
4: one.
5: Yeah, this is separate. This is not that that particular job right. separate. Yeah. And then, then they going to understand that there's going to be no backup heat when it goes into defrost. Yeah. So typically, are you talking about a third party air handler or a connect? No, I'm talking about a gas furnace, and a a coil, and a connect outdoor unit. Right. So when it goes into defrost, you're going to power that D. So no, we're not going to. Well, if we do it, then we're going to have discharge air from the gas furnace going over the cooling coil.
4: Right. No, I was saying when you go into defrost, that D terminal on the outside will will um, will power up. Right. So it's that D terminal was originally there. It's put there. For, so if you had a connect indoor unit, what happens when that D terminal gets energized and it energizes the inside uh, D terminal? the unit looks at itself and, it, and if it sees that it has an electric coil installed, then the coil will come on during the defrost.
5: Okay, I thought if it one doesn't, of this, then it will
4: shut the fan off.
5: Yeah, I thought, one of, I thought one of your slides showed that it went to the W1
4: terminal. It does. So we've had some contractors that use it that way, some that don't. What has been your experience?
5: Well, I don't have an experience, but I'm just saying I want to point out that if we have a gas furnace, we do not want to use the D terminal we'll going to the W1 like the diagram showed, because if you do, then the gas furnace is going to come on and it's going to put hot gas on the coil and probably go out on safety.
4: But I'm in defrost, my coil is going to be
5: cold. I understand, but we're burning a gas furnace. We're going to have a couple hundred degrees or a hundred and some odd degree air going over top of that coil. I
4: just said We'll have 120 degrees or so. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, so that's where some of the, um, we have to look at each application, right? And see how we're going to do it. So if we know that that's how it operates, that the D is going to be energized during that defrost, then we can make, we can make up our own minds on how we want to control it. So if it's a gas fired furnace, then uh, probably not such a good idea. But if it's something else, we might want to, we might want to use it.
5: Okay. But it knows it's not enough to know to shut the fan off. Or what do we do in that case? You know, it's because
4: um, it, it does not have the ability to shut off a fan of a third party indoor unit. Okay. That,
5: that's kind of what I was getting at. I, I just, yeah. It's okay. going to blow, blow cold air into frost. I understand. Okay.
0: All right, well, thanks for all that feedback. That was great. It's um, helpful for everybody. So we have a couple that were already answered, but I'll say it for the group in case they can see it in the chat. Um, does GE Connect have their own electric heater? And Tim Burton, our technical and uh, training manager, answered that saying, yes, GE does have an electric heat kit available. Um
7: can I jump in? Because I don't I feel like I've had my hand raised for a while and I'm not being picked. So sure. Jump in, Dave. Interaction of the electric heater itself. Does it only energize? Get used when it's in defrost, or will it come in uh, after units run for a certain amount of time or droop temperature? It all
4: depends how it's set up through the thermostat. So uh anytime that your second stage of heating is energized then your electric coil come on how you enable that second stage is is could be any one of a a number of ways could be could be outside stat it could be um you know uh, room temperature droop if you will there's a lot of ways you could do it
1: hey guys uh i'm just going to throw this out there because the last two comments a solution to one integrating uh, whether or not you can use the auxiliary heat with your heat pump or not, if it's a gas furnace, look to the Honeywell IAQ Prestige. You can completely configure if that's a gas furnace or if it's a hydro if it's compatible with heat pump operation, changeover set point, everything we've just discussed in the last eight minutes, you can completely tune in an IAQ Prestige thermostat. And done. Integrated, simple, perfect. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.
2: Perfect.
7: Thanks. I'm still not clear on my question. So you said there's many different ways to do it, but looking at your schematic on your install, it doesn't really say anything other than you get power back at the D terminal during defrost so you can run the electric key. But you're saying we can add a W2 terminal to this?
4: No. So on your, on your thermostat. So here's the way I look at it. Let's talk about a matching indoor and outdoor unit. So the indoor unit and the outdoor unit have no idea each other exists. What tells them what to do is the quarterback, right? No, excuse me. It's a thermostat, the thermostat's a the quarterback. So when if for whatever reason, the second stage needs to kick in, right. Uh, and that's going to be dependent upon how you set it up, right. If it's, if it's differential, whatever it is, then that, then that W1 or the second stage would be energized when that, so that'd be W one typically out of your thermostat. Once W one is enabled, my 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 electric heater is going to come on. So what enables that depends upon the thermostat and what you're trying to accomplish, how you want to how you want to control the space.
7: Does that make sense? Uh, yes and no. It still doesn't tell me what's going to if I have no W two to tell the heater to come on if it needs to because of the some reason the heat pump's not satisfying the space quick enough, right? It's a call two. So, where, where does that W two go if there's no terminal on the uh, quick connect uh, inhale?
2: So it's W one. Your, your Y is going to be your Y O B is going to be your first stage. W1 okay, is yeah, your second stage. You're exactly right. right.
7: So W one is heat pump. Where does W two go?
2: No, go ahead, Dylan. I'm sorry. You Why? Know, Why brings on your compressor O B? Change your valve. so that's technically in traditional sense your W one, your, your your actual W one on on on. The, in this case, is going to bring on your uh, your backup heat. So YB YOB okay. is going to be stage one. W one is going to be stage two.
7: Okay, it's going to work that way. Okay, yeah, you yeah. clear. Fine.
0: All right. I noticed we're a little past. Um, we failed the mission of. Trying to be in it after and out, but I love it. So for those that want to stay, we'll we'll keep going through these questions. It's really important. Um, there's tons of follow up from this too. All kinds of cheat sheets that we'll be sending out. So for those of you that cannot stay, uh, feel free to to uh, you know part, and we'll send a recording. So I'm going to continue. There's not that many more left. Which um, love love the enthusiasm. though. All right. So where were we? Dun, dun, dun.
7: Right,
0: Chad, I said, quickly before did, Chad. Oh, one at a time, Dave Bennett, you're up. Yeah. The,
7: about the rebate. There is a rebate in New Hampshire, just so you know, but it's only on the two ton.
0: Thank you, sir. And then I, somebody else. Yes.
2: Yeah. Chad, before, before people jump out of here, if you do want a training for your guys or you have contractors that um, uh, want training, let us know. Talk, talk to your, talk to your sales rep um and then we'll, we'll come out there we'll come to the job site. we'll set up a training out of um it, it, we'll make whatever work so i just want to throw that out there
0: perfect thank you dylan that is a huge point it kind of goes to what you were talking about before the just the awesome partnership that you know emerson swan's been since day one um i think the last one is is the line set required to be insulated on both lines
2: in a perfect world, yes. Um, there's a, a lot of guys that have existing line sets in the walls. They don't. Um, they're going to sweat. They may sweat because it is a heat pump, but it, just, as long as you know that.
4: Yeah, so GE's um, approach to that is just the suction line. Liquid line can be there.
0: And then I, I lied. There is one other last question: Where are GE Connect units manufactured? The only got.
4: I can take that. Yeah, they're, go manu- ahead. they're manufactured in China, in Quan
0: China. All right. And then actually, one just late breaking. I may have missed this, but is there a parts support for like parts?
4: Yeah, so from the part standpoint, um, GE has a technical support group, or obviously we're here to help you out. We'd like to uh, request you know, we'd be the first line of, of help in, in anything that comes up like that. Um, one of the advantages is uh, any one of these, you know, any one of these units you need part for whatever reason, um, we can order the part and you'll have it typically the next day uh, because all of these parts are stocked in regional. GE parts locations located around the United States. So um, it's one thing GE does really well is move boxes and, and uh, they're really good at parts. So um, that's a uh, extra added advantage, if you will.
5: Hey, Ralph, let me jump in on the parts. I sent Warren a parts list of all the parts, you know, the boards that you may need and other accessory parts. And I know Warren put a, a sheet together. I'm not sure if he's ordered any or not. Or well, you guys are stocking any parts, but I know Lauren has a spreadsheet that I sent them.
4: And you know, that's from the part standpoint there's a lot of common parts. Yeah. Um, and
5: um, so. Yeah. And, and just one more thing to talk about is that I've been seeing a lot of, and I know Ralph you've done it, Dylan you've done it with the, um, the space pack and the Unicos so replacing the condensers on those. So, and I've done quite a few and it's been very successful. And a lot, a lot of contractors are using those a lot, but so just to using the GE Connect unit outside.
4: Yeah, they work. They work really well with high velocity. Yeah.
0: Perfect. And then just a couple of comments in the line. the uh, The B word <laughs> is mentioned in there, and it says they're they're made. Uh, Bosch is also made in China, and then somebody, um, actually Tim Burton, put the tech support number too for those um, to, to reference as well.
6: So. No, that's just our tech support number. Always call us, call us first.
0: Call us Always. first. Call us first. Let me have blue on too. So.
6: And we got your back, Tim. Don't worry. <laughs>
0: that's it. That's it.
6: <laughs> I know where you and Dylan live, so you can't get away from me. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what bothers me. It keeps me up <laughs> at
0: night. <laughs> Mark St. Jean's asking, did you guys cover low ambient cooling? I know that we have some cheat sheets and things of that sort that we'll be sending out. Mark, anything else you guys want to say on that piece?
2: Yeah, so we're rated to rated negative five. It um, won't shut off. Um, and that's without adding anything. So I don't know what, do you know? I can get later, get with him later and see what temperature he's looking to get down to and what, he's, what application it is. But
0: yeah, and that's our internal team too. So we'll make sure. Any
2: question. The question may be,
5: is the condenser fan controlled separately than the compressor if you're doing low ambient cooling so that we can maintain the discharge pressure and get 100% capacity? Um, yeah,
4: how, what, how low are you looking at
5: buying this in, in
4: low ambient cooling
5: applications? Well, I'm just, if the question comes up, you know, that's, you know, is the... Con- Condensive fan speed controlled based on head pressure at all, or is it just on like the compressor at one speed? Because you know, that that's the main difference between the Mitsubishi line, the M series, and the P series is the way the fan's controlled in low ambient.
4: Yeah, I wanna I wanna say it's controlled separately, but I I want to uh I'll confirm I- that
1: i can throw i've seen it under relatively low ambient conditions the fan speed modulates to the outdoor condition um perfectly matter of fact i can't tell you at five degrees because i haven't experienced it but we've watched it at 40 degree and i can tell you the cooling operation that fan modulates perfectly for that condition okay you know
4: something rob you're right i mean you have got the I've been on quite a few four or five tons and you'll see those fans run independently of each other and at different speeds.
1: Yep. So So I'm, yeah, I think the application as Dylan mentioned for low ambient cooling operation operation, we just have to figure that cutout point, you know, if that's a hard cutout point or if it's just beyond what the fans can handle without some type of wind block or, you know, there's probably something, I mean, all the conditions and systems we use now have low ambient lockout points. And we figured out clever workarounds for those. So this, I'm sure, probably a minor modification and we could run this at a much lower temperature.
2: Yeah, and that, that's what that would be, Rob. That that's rated to five degrees without any end right?
6: Do you guys have any sort of uh, technical drawings for a uh, wind or Would that be something we would have to fab up ourselves?
4: We'd have to look at that more, Tim. Yeah. yeah, no problem. Yeah, so I guess the answer would be no, not at this point, but if you feel as though you need that, Um we could um we could investigate that more.
0: Perfect. That's what this is all about, roundtable discussion. So we're coming out with some good ideas and solutions as a group. So perfect. Any last comments, questions, anything else before we close out? I really appreciate this, guys. Way better to have an engaged group. Um interact. I mean, like we had 44 participants. I mean, it's fantastic. Um, Any last questions? Awesome meeting I see in the chat line. Um, Thank you. And guys, I want to thank you, you know, our Emerson Swan, uh, you know, friends, you guys jumping on here as usual, you know, just like, yeah, when anything we can do, thought this was a very uh, productive meeting. Appreciate your time and uh, to be continued like Dylan offered. You guys need any individual trainings? That's what we're here to do as our partner, you know, so uh, thank you guys for joining us today and have a good rest of the day.
2: Thank you very you much, too. Thank awesome. you much Thanks, Chad. Thanks,
3: Thanks Chad. again. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Bye now.